Hello and welcome. Welcome to our Hope Story Circle from the Peace Alliance and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined today to facilitate by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our teaching peace in schools lead and our mindfulness expert. And our special guest today is Leslie Morse. Leslie Morse is a former colleague of mine, and I'm so excited that she's joining us today. She has a wonderful story to tell. Leslie, we want to come off, come off mute and say good morning, say hello. Yes, if I can find my mute button. <laughs> Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you might be in the world. Thank you for having me today. Thank you so much for being here. Leslie, I know that you are a native of South Carolina. You've been lived there your whole life, but you bounced around the state. You're living on the coast now, is that right? I am. I'm on the coast of South Carolina, which is quite lovely um, and, and also an unseasonably warm day for us. Ah, yeah. We were just talking before the call started about the, the weather shifting. It's February and it's really warm in Los Angeles where I am. It's very strange. Anyway, but it's great. We're great. So great. Glad to have you here. It's great to see you and happy to see all the faces that I'm seeing on the Zoom today. Glad to see everybody's joining us. We're going to take just a breath and take a moment. And Yellen is going to lead us in a meditation, and then we'll hear your story, Leslie. Thank you, Yelena. Hello, welcome, everyone. So glad to be here. Yeah, with you all. And pause. Let's let's take a pause. Sometimes we just like rush, um, you know, um, and. We are going from one thing to the next and not allow enough time to transition. That's not because we're bad people, um, but because it's our culture haven't taught us the right way to transition so that our body can catch up with this is Beth. our mind. Hi, Beth, welcome. Yeah, so so let's let's do that. Let's let's allow for our body to catch up with our mind. And perhaps that is just allowing your feet to touch the ground and really really notice that sense of rooting rooting to the place you are right now, being where your feet are. Yeah, perhaps you can wiggle your toes and really notice your toes or the balls of your feet. Allowing gravity to pull you. Yeah, in this space, there is a particular way of being together. 
of just allowing ourselves to feel our humanness. Perhaps noticing if you're seated, noticing how does it feel to take a seat. As always, you can keep your eyes open or closed or yeah, open them if you have closed them at any time. Just notice how it's to inhabit your own body. This moment. Yeah, connecting to the earth, connecting to our seat. Connecting to our breath. Perhaps noticing where breath coming in, breath coming out of your body. Remembering that you have this body at this moment. Noticing that you have front of the body and back of the body. We often don't pay attention to our back, but back is what supports us. We are three-dimensional beings. We are beings. Now offer gratitude to this moment, to this body, to this community. And a breath and a gratitude. Welcome each other and welcome Leslie. Thank you all for practicing whatever you need to do to come back. If that is a movement, flickering of your eyes. Excellent. That was lovely. Thank you. And welcome again to everyone. Um, Terry, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, as you said a moment ago, my name is Leslie Morse. I'm in South Carolina, right on the coast. Uh, I have lived in the Carolinas uh, my entire life and uh, enjoy the, the culture here and the uh, the, the lovely, uh, the fact that I don't have to deal with snow, we were talking about weather earlier, and um, 
there's something about sort of moving through the seasons and the changes of weather that sort of remind me of a, a lens around the story that I want to tell you all today about sort of my career journey and how I've come to find uh, purpose and fulfillment through all the little moments that we have in our lives to make the world a little bit of a better place. Um, I, I didn't find my career. My career kind of found me. It was sort of interesting. Um, I had some pharmacists in my family and growing up, if you were going to ask me like, Leslie, what do you want to be when you grow up? I went through a phase that was like a teacher because my mom was a teacher and um, thought I wanted to be an architect for a while. And then, you know, the older you get and you start paying attention to how adults sort of work in society, I was like, my, my aunts and uncles and my cousins that are all pharmacists, they've got really nice houses. Maybe I'll be a pharmacist. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, for whatever reason, I was a sort of a one-track mind kind of kid and, and in many ways still remain of a one-track mind here as an adult. Um, that was what I was going to do. And I only applied to one university. Um, it was a university I happened to have gone to many summers for band camp. I'm a, I'm a music geek. I love my music. Um, and I was like, they've got a great pharmacy school. Some of my cousins went there. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, and then I got a job as a pharmacy technician. And I think this was one of the early pivotal moments that I now understand with a lot more perspective and I'm so much more thankful for um, now than, than exactly how it played out in the moment. But I realized I don't care. You could pay me $200,000 a year and I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Like it just, I realized something inherently, like it wasn't for me. Um, my dad uh, was a chef and ran a restaurant. I'd spent lots of time in restaurants as a child as a result of that. So I thought, oh, maybe maybe that's what I'll do. University had a, a hospitality um, college. And so I shifted my major to that. And it wasn't feeling quite right, but it definitely felt better than pharmacy. And then um, I found myself in a relationship with a, a fellow student whom I had met the summer before my freshman year in high school at band camp on this very same university campus in South Carolina. And he happened to be a freelance uh, web developer and was aspiring to sort of start his own company. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun. I'll help you do that. And uh, we applied to what was a brand new student incubator program at the university where they were helping students become entrepreneurs and start companies. And we got in, we were one of the first six student companies admitted, and it felt a little bit now in retrospect, like getting an MBA during your undergrad. I was in classes on campus, worrying about how to make payroll and if we were going to close the next big deal with our client. And then I'd get to the office and I'd be worrying about my marketing 478 term paper that was due the next week. Um, and it was, it was really great sort of just introduction and in, in a job that found me. Um, I parlayed that into uh, you know, merging with one of our existing clients that did a lot of software development work, and I had no idea how software development worked, and I uncovered my brain just got it for whatever reason, so that was a lovely sort of blessing, but was still all of this small business stuff. Um, 
you know, my, my business partner and I decided we were going to get married and one of us probably needed a real job outside of a startup. So, you know, I went to digital marketing and I thought at a utility conglomerate, I thought, wow, this is huge. There's 5,000 people in this whole company. And it was my first real exposure to what corporate politics was like and how things were tense and people were sort of scheming against each other in different ways in order to you know, get their own promotion or make themselves look better. And I don't know as though I knew it then, but something just didn't quite feel right about it. And there was one specific moment because many utilities are regulated and we were. One of my colleagues who was you know, a, quite a good friend at the time had ended up you know, a project she was leading, had a bill insert that dealt with part of our regulated uh, business, and there was inaccurate content on it. And it was, it was a big deal. Like everybody was talking like, is she going to get fired? And I was like, it was just like, it's a mistake. Like what's up with that? And I'm sitting in my boss's office and we're talking that evening um, kind of after work. And he said to me, he's like, you know, Leslie, as professionals, or as people that, you know, come to an office, not just, there's plenty of kinds of professionals, you know, we spend a lot of time at work. And in three months, three years, nobody's going to remember who it was that made this mistake on the bill insert. When they go home at the end of the day, what they're really going to remember is, do they feel good about the stuff they're doing, the people that they're doing it with, and that they're actually making a difference in the world? And that was the kind of a first moment for me where I was like, Work is not just work. Work really is part of your life. And then there's so many of us that we find like our identities are our professions. Um, but then there's this movement around like, how do we be our full self at work? And so if I fast forward to where I am now, um, from that moment, that realization when I was sitting in Scott's office back in, what was it, 2000 three, maybe 2004, um, you know, my, my first real job. Um, I believe that was a key moment that has led me to have this focus on how do we find ways to bring our full selves to work, be totally authentic and true in who we are, and not have to walk this dance of, you know, who I am as work is different as who, who I am at home. And um, personal is professional and professional is personal. How are you winding it all together just to be one thing? Um, and I serve now as a product owner in an organization that specializes in helping other organizations find new ways of people working together to deliver value. It's a thing called Agile or a thing called Scrum, maybe if you've ever heard of that. It's very much rooted in a set of values that help bring humanity back to the workplace. And it's really about the way people get done. In fact, one of our values is individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And through my journey to get here, I went to Lowe's Home Improvement and worked in their e-commerce division, which that in and of itself, right, you know, giant retail organization, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I learned for myself, I don't know exactly how to be the real me when I'm forced to play company politics. So I was like, oh, I can't be the real me in a big organization. There's too much pressure. There's too much stuff going on. So I left and I went back to small business. I did some consulting work. Everything felt great. And then an acquisition happened and we got bigger. 
And then I really found myself in a leadership position for the first time and realized the responsibility and power that comes when you have positional authority in an organization and you're making decisions that truly impact people's lives. I was tasked with uh, restructuring how we handled business development in a company of about 200 people. There were five or six business development executives at the time. And right, I'm smart. I know how to you know, redo things. We can figure all this out. We went off into this little vacuum, made this whole new plan, and then inflicted it upon this group of people. And the, the chaos that ensued from my lack of understanding around how like I really was changing their lives. The way they fed their families and paid their mortgages was completely shifting. And that was another one of those moments where it was like, wow, just because we figure out things here and we're plowing ahead in a way that might serve the business well doesn't mean that it serves the people well. So how do we balance? There's a book, Conscious Capitalism, if you've maybe heard about that, but how do we build greater humanity and how we lead and build businesses? So that was sort of another pivotal moment. Um, and all of this was leading to another acquisition where I found myself then with 500,000 people around the globe at a company and back in this situation where it's like what they were dreaming me up to be and what they wanted in a professional and in someone that succeeded, I was finally able to realize was at odds with my own core values and the person that I needed to be to be authentic. And so now that I'm back in small businessing, because I was like, if you put a ladder in front of me, I'm going to want to climb it, right? It was sort of this ambitious to a fault sort of thing. And I didn't really know it about myself till I was in that environment. And so I was able to get back into a small company. We've got, you know, there's 22 of us now. And I look at every single moment of the day as, you know, what's the language we use that helps make people safe? Right? We're in this world now where we're all nearly always acting with each other in virtual formats, and many of us are working from home. And, you know, somebody walks by in the background or your kid or your cat jumps up in your lap. Like we, we have no boundaries anymore in our sort of work environments of this is my professional space and this is my home space. It's all intermingled in a new way. And it's, I, I don't know right, all the ways to do this well. I am on my own journey of uncovering what it is to make the world a better place and to find mo more moments of joy and safety and authenticity in the work that we do because we spend so much time at the office. If the workplaces that we are in every day allow us to be our full selves, how much will that make a better place when we go home and we don't bring that baggage and that stress with us? Um, language is a big part of it. When, when Terry was introducing this morning, she talked about like nonviolence. There is so much violent communication in the way we talk in business. You know, just, you know, yesterday it was, oh, we can kill two birds with one stone. I'm like, I don't wanna kill any birds. Can we feed two birds with one hand perhaps? And just the little things like, you know, we're going to have a war room to go create that project. And so those are some of the little ways that I'm, I'm talking to my colleagues and finding ways that, you know, we can make it safer to interact. We can look for new ways to bring our full selves to work um, and create safer environments where we can all succeed. And, um, and I'm pleased to be doing this. 
um, and excited to go to work every day. And if I can do something that helps more people feel that way about the work they do and when every morning they get up, then I feel like that helps make a little bit of a difference in the world. Thank you, Leslie. I love your story. Thank you. <laughs> I love the feeding two birds with one hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Liz, Yelena, what kind of an inquiry might we pull out of Leslie's story today? Um, Yelena, is it okay if I, okay. Um, I'm even holding, I love your story. And when we were talking last night, we said, this is really a conversation we haven't had yet. You know, we've been doing this for two years now. And I took it in even more deeply this morning, Leslie. And I was thinking so much about that idea of size, right? And um, just now I was thinking about the fact that for many years, my husband and I worked and volunteered and then worked with an organization that dealt with um, uh, incarcerated and formerly incarcerated mothers. And it was a fairly small um, nonprofit. And, and the phrase love makes the difference, that was their, that was their thing. And just recently, um, out of necessity, they partnered with the city of New York and big city, city of New York. Um, and I was thinking about what the changes might bring. And I recently went on their website and I realized the word love had disappeared from the, the top of the, uh, you know, and that really, that fit in my heart. So, I, you know, when you were speaking to that, I thought about how do we speak to that place that is love and safe? Um, and the one thing I thought about that I love that you named is we used to be able to keep our work or tried, right, to keep our work and our lives separate. And when you said how much we spend at work, that really sank in with me. Um, and I could see as people were listening how that uh, sinks in with many of you. But in COVID, as, as Leslie mentioned, a lot of times we're all meeting from our space that is our home space. And so people see the little two-year-old child crawl out on your lap or the cat walk across the keyboard. And it has made us have to acknowledge that, that these lives aren't separate. So I love your vision to try to picture out how can we unite this in a way that has work feel very safe for us in, in a world where we have to get things done. And Last night, I think you, the word you used that really stayed with me is kindness. How can we think about kindness in the workplace? How can we think about um, what we do in our particular space? So I think the inquiry that I would love us to bring, because I think most of us grapple with this, is um, what particularly resonates with you about Leslie's story, about how we can bring our whole self to the workplace, have you had times when you felt you could do that? Have you had times when you felt you couldn't do that? And, and in the workspaces you work, do you feel, hearing her, empowered to try to bring some of those changes that might make the workplace better for the people around you? And if not, how might you do that? So let me try to, <laughs> I know the cherry types. So yeah, so when we go into our breakout rooms, which we're about to do, think about in the, in the place where you work, do you feel safe to bring your whole self? And if not, can you think about ways you might empower yourself or others to try and affect that atmosphere where you might be able to bring that whole self of loving, wonderful, but also serving the needs of the people who you serve? Is that clear for people? Yeah, I, I put I put most of that in the chat. So I think- All right. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. 
<laughs> yeah. So for those of you who may be new to our Hope Story Circles, we're going to go into breakout rooms. I tried to make it so that there are three people in a room. It don't always succeed. So if I'm a little bit off, I may send a second invitation to you. So you're each going to get a little invitation to join a breakout room. If you get a second one, take it. It's a good one. I'm just trying to adjust. But otherwise, just go to the first one and you can visit with some people. We'll be in the rooms for about 15 or 20 minutes. I will give you a three-minute warning before we come back and just share what's alive for you. And the agreements that we have are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that there's room for everyone in the room to share their feelings. If you don't feel like speaking, then give the gift of listening and to keep confidentiality. And when we come back to the big room, you can share the themes of what's been, going, what's been discussed, but don't share any personal details because that bar will be in the recording, but the breakout rooms will not. So I'm gonna pause the recording for now. Welcome back everyone. We lost track of time and I let you stay there even longer than planned, <laughs> but somehow I think that was okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that there was probably a lot that was going on. Who would like Loved to share? It. Who would like to share? What's, who would like to unmute yourself and let us know what's coming up for you right now? Anyone? Lynn, you can unmute yourself. Yeah, hi, thank you. Hi. Um, I, I was saying to Kathy um, that I'm always amazed at the synchronicity of the universe mm. um, because I've been asking, I've been moving closer and closer and closer to um, work in the world, paid and unpaid, uh, where I can be more authentic, more integrated. And I'm really struggling with a, a question in the organization where I am now, um, whether I stay, you know, do you stay within the system and try to be part of the movement forward or do you leave so you can mm, be truer to your work in the world? You know, mm -hmm. is that your work in the world, being in that organization, or is there something beyond that? So I'm very grateful to have had that opportunity to say all that out loud today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for sharing, Lynn. It's a, it's a complicated question. I think a lot of people are living it today, especially. Yeah. Who else would like to share? Anything come up from the breakout rooms? I'll share something quick. Sure. Uh, when I was in corporate America, my best times were when people would bring their kids in and they'd be running through the office. I thought if we had a nursery on, on every, in every office with the kids bringing life in, I mean, that would just change the world, right? So I thought of that, uh, Leslie, when you were talking. Mm. And I think being working from home is great. I love seeing people's dogs and hearing people's children a little baby crying. I love that, right? I think that really, really has been an advantage for, for me as, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but I've loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live in Los Angeles and um, 
pretty early on in the, in the pandemic, the, the woman who's a meteorologist in the morning news on channel seven that I watch um, took maternity leave. And then she came back and, you know, and had her baby. Um, but she was apparently still working from home. Everybody was, they had the equipment and the green screen and the weather map and all that stuff. But one time she was doing the weather and suddenly this little toddler said, she like scooped, it was like at her feet and she scooped it up and was holding it while she kept on doing the weather. And it was hilarious. It was like, that's so cool. <laughs> and it's interesting you bring up, right, children, that the conversation we had uh, in, in the breakout room went back to um, almost this, this inquiry of how do we shift this in the way we engage um, children, right? Even, as, even in preschool, we're building competitive natures and pitting children against each other and how the systemic aspects of this and our language and the way we interact with each other has sort of led to the place we are and makes it so challenging today. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Who else would like to share? Well, I guess I could uh, say a few words about uh, the group I was with, there were only two of us. Huh? Bud Johnston, who is from uh, South Dakota, and, and myself, I'm John Baum from Long Island, New York. And uh, Bud has a, a very interesting project that's called uh, Making Pipes Out of Clay. And he's a, uh, a Native American and grew up on a reservation. Anyway, his uh, website, in case you want to look into this, it's called pipekeepers.org. That's P-I-P-E, keepers, K keepers, K-E-E-P-E-R-S.org. And they make pipes and give them to prisoners and I'm not sure what all, but anyway, uh, it was very interesting talking to him and learning about his project, which I'll follow up on. And I told him about the things that I've been working on recently uh, for the last two or three years, I've been involved in uh, promoting the use of peace poles. Mm. Uh, peace poles, you know, are, they've been around for many years, but I didn't realize they were in existence until about three years ago. And so the website that sort of describes the things I've been doing and working with is called uh, peacepoles.info. That's dot I-N-F-O. And... Uh, about two or three years ago, we started the uh, goal of uh, planting of 100 peace poles on Long Island. And uh, we have, uh, I guess, maybe 20 or so planted by now. Mm. And uh, in that process, we've also learned about International Cities of Peace, which is a uh, organization that has about 333, I believe it is, cities around the world that uh, promote peace and uh, communicate with each other. So we were successful in getting our local uh, peace committee to become uh, Batchog is now an international city of peace, number wow. 331. Uh, so we're very pleased with that. And the latest thing that we're working on is a, an international peace poll contest where schools would have a, an indoor peace poll that would be moved from one classroom to another and used in whatever way they wanted, the students and the teachers would decide how best to use this peace poll to promote peace and nonviolence in their school and their community and so on. 
So we're very uh, interested and excited about this project because uh, if the school gets this indoor peace pole, they can use it for many years to come. You know, it'd be not only this one year contest, but yeah. probably many years. Anyway, after a year of the, using the peace pole, they would submit a one page summary of how their school had used their peace pole. And uh, the uh, schools with the most interesting educational and uh, inspirational and uh, successful uses of their pole would be given some kind of an award. So anyway, oh, that's, that's a work in progress. And if anybody is interested in uh, having their school district be involved in this contest, uh, please contact me. Uh, John Baum at optonline.net or you'll probably find uh, contact in the uh, peacepolls.info site if you go there. Very good. Thank you, John. That sounds exciting. Yeah. All right, we're going to start to wrap it up. I put a bunch of links in the chat. First, about the Peace Alliance. Peacealliance.org is our website. The Peace Alliance empowers civic action for a culture of peace. Also a link to our podcasts. All of these calls are podcasts in addition to our national monthly calls and other things. So check out Peace on Podcasts. There's a link about the Hope Story Circles, which is also on the website. Also a link for our blueprint that's, you can find that on the homepage of the website, but the blueprint for peace is a major initiative that we've had going. We just relaunched it recently, but through that link, you will contact all of your elected officials from federal all the way down to local to let them know that you support policy related to the aspects of violence reduction and peace building. So it's a great one step that you can take to notify all of your elected officials that these are policy priorities that you, you care about. Also a link about the Department of Peace Building Legislation, HR 1111, which is our cornerstone piece of legislation that we advocate for, and a link for donations. We are a small nonprofit. Donations are welcome of any size, and we especially like our peace partners that give us monthly donations to keep our income sustainable. And the calendar of events is at the website, thepeacealliance.org slash calendar. And that's where you can find the information to connect to the Hope Story Circles and the National Monthly Calls and Empathy Circles and all the things that we have going on. So please check out the calendar. So thank you very much for being with us today. Leslie, thank you so much for being our guest. And Liz, I'm going to hand it off to you to wrap it up. Yeah, I'm going to do this quickly. I, you know, when um, Terry and Yell and I stayed in the big room and we had such a deep, powerful conversation and sharing that I'm buzzing. So I hope you guys had that kind of experience as well. And so as we head off, I hope you join us again in two weeks. It's nice to see everybody. Um, but but I, I think what I'm going to offer is really just sitting with the question, right? We send everyone off in, at the end with the what would balance look like? Yeah, and, and that's it. And how might I bring more of myself or find and find or create spaces where I can bring myself? Yeah. Wonderful. Question. Yes, John. Jelena, uh, I had a lot of trouble finding the ID and passcode to get onto this meeting. Oh. If you could put that in the uh, calendar somehow, you know, the, that information would be helpful. It should be there. I'll double check, John. Thank you for letting me know. Thank you for that, John. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah it, it is in the calendar under Hope Circle. Thank I, you. I had a lot of trouble finding it. Maybe you can make okay. it more obvious. Okay. We'll do my best. Thank you, John.
Well, thank you so much for being with us today, everyone. Feel free to come off mute mm -hmm. and say goodbye. And thanks again, Leslie. You're welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Bye. Thank you, everybody. That is always good. Yeah. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.